I think that all families are doing this anyway. And by this, I mean they're communicating and decision-making. We do that all the time. We've been doing it since we were children. I do that with my parents. I do that with my own children myself. The question with a family meeting or the importance of one is, are you doing it at the optimal level? Welcome to the Wealth Experience Podcast. From big picture planning strategies to developing market trends, we bring light to a range of important matters so you can build your wealth with confidence. Brought to you by BMO Wealth Management. Hello, and thanks for joining us today. One of the most common causes of poor decision-making is suboptimal communication. This is especially true for families, where there is so much ongoing chatter that it can be difficult to see the forest for the trees. In this episode, Ruth Steverlink and Paula Tia discuss how formal family meetings can optimize communication patterns, leading to more efficient and successful decision-making. Ruth Steverlink is a principal and co-founder of Your Family Enterprise Advisors and is based in Vancouver. Paula Tia is a family enterprise advisor and coach, as well as a family business owner and is based in Toronto. Well, hi, Paul. It's absolutely lovely to be sitting here with you in sunny Toronto to talk about this, I think, a topic that's of great interest to both of us, uh, family meetings. One of the things that our listeners won't know that we know about each other is uh, that we both come from the legal profession. Um, And I think one of the key attributes of being part of the legal profession is that we don't like saying things like family meetings are good for families without having some pretty good data to support that. And what I've been really struck by in my years of working with families is that every piece of research that comes out, and there's been a fair amount in the last uh, 10 to 15 years, the common denominator for families that are successful in the transition of wealth in both keeping the family strong and transitioning the wealth well seems to be this structure that we call a family meeting. And I'm curious today for our listeners to deconstruct this and really get drilled down as to what they are, why they're so important, and then maybe we have some time, give our listeners some practices, lessons that we've learned in our practices to help them, if they're having family meetings or contemplating family meetings, have the most effective family meetings that they can. Does, does that sound good to you, Paul? It does. And um, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, let's even go one step even backwards in terms of when we talk about what a family meeting is, let's really go back to the core of what causes disruption in families, whether it be a family enterprise or um, wealth transition within a family and just families in general. It really, um, at its core, comes down to poor decision-making and communication, right? Or suboptimal decision-making and communication. Those two things ultimately govern every relationship that we're in. Right? Decision-making and communication are how we govern ourselves and how we govern all the relationships that we're in. And that's certainly what the research that's coming out would say, is that if families can communicate effectively, resolve their upsets, and make good decisions, they probably have the best chance of being strong and resilient and able to withstand some of the challenges that come when you own a family enterprise or when you're transitioning family wealth. Yeah. So so let's, let's uh, talk about this. So... What would you, if you were asked the question, what is the core purpose of a family meeting? How would you answer that question for our listeners? Yeah, it's, it's an opportunity uh, to create a forum for discussion, communication, and ultimately sound decision making. 
So I'm going to push back a little bit on that, Paul, because don't families, I mean, all families communicate in some way. They they make decisions. Families make decisions every single day. I make decisions in my family every single day. What is the difference between that and a family meeting? Well, I think you're totally right. I think that all families are doing this anyway. And by this, I mean, they're communicating and decision-making. We do that all the time. We've been doing it since we were children. I do that with my parents. I do that with my own children myself. The question with a family meeting or the importance of one is, are you doing it at the optimal level? Right? That's what we're going for. We want to do this at the best possible level. We want to do this in the most effective fashion. And a family meeting allows you to do that. And and so let let me kind of explain that a little bit. Um, People have been making decisions, you know, let's take your kind of standard family business or your family enterprise. So they've been making decisions all the way through. For the last 20 years, they've been making decisions about their business and they've been making decisions about their family. The question is, how have they been making those decisions? Have they been decided by one person, the patriarch, the matriarch, the parents? Was it the kid who was involved in the business or the kid who had, you know, direct control over asset A or asset B? These patterns have existed for a long time. If we actually go back to what we discussed at the beginning, which is like the breakdown of family enterprise, family business, wealth transference, comes down to decision-making and communication. It it really is incumbent upon all of us to want to do those things, i.e. communicate and make decisions at the absolute best possible level. It's because they are so core and so central to the overall outcome of what it is that we're going to end up doing. And so if you're listening to this podcast or if you're right now having, you know, tough challenges in your own family and you're wondering what am I going to do with my business or the wealth that I want to transfer, really what you're wrestling with is a decision. You're trying to decide what to do next. I mean, that's a comment. That's a question that I hear all the time from families that I work with. We're just struggling with what to do next. And so let's park that over here. That's decision making. Okay, well, how we're going to get to the right decision is going to be formed by how we communicate. Right. And so communication is a central component to decision making. And if we communicate poorly, ultimately, we'll, you know, more likely than not make decisions poorly. So how do family meetings help communication? Help me understand that. What is it about a family meeting that will improve communication between family members? So there's a number of things. So the first one is, I almost want to say it's hyper obvious, but it's not. And it's, you talk about between family members. Well, do we even have communication amongst all the family members? Let's start there. Right. So sometimes communication happens and not everyone's in the room. Totally. And so if you think about who is in a family, you you know, use kind of the classic example of you're trying to make a decision um, about the transference of something. Let's take a family business and you say, okay, well, all I have to really do is just chat with, I've got four kids and two of them are working in the business. So... I'll have the conversation with them because it's a business decision, not recognizing that you have two other children who may not be involved in the business, but they have a lot of input to offer. And it's really valuable input. And in fact, even if they didn't have a lot of input to offer, they may just want to be informed as to what's going on. So I use that as kind of like a, an easy and obvious example to say, uh, you know, how does a family meeting help? Well, it allows you to incorporate, or I guess a better way is to say engage and invite into the decision-making process and the communication process, people who are in the family who may not otherwise be involved in the communication presently. So it, it shifts the, the perhaps ad hoc practice of 
chatting to family members in an informal way where some family members are getting some information, others are maybe not even in the same city or same country and they're excluded from that information which can ultimately lead to some, I would imagine, some conflict in the family, potentially a breakdown of trust. Totally. I mean, I, I think we have to look at this again in the overarching, um, I, I guess the best way to say is the overarching lens of family enterprise and recognize that you have a set of assets or an asset, whether it be, again, an operating business or, or wealth, but then you also have the family aspect, which is the relationships that allow you to be a family, right? That, that's why we're here. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about the governance of a public company where it's just a set of assets owned by people at arm's length. We're talking about a family. There's a certain intimacy that exists because when you're working with family or dealing with decisions about assets within your family, there's an intimacy that exists there because we're connected by blood or by marriage and we're going to be connected forever, whether we communicate or not. And so why that's important is it helps um, bring it together to say, when I make decisions within my family enterprise, I need to make decisions that are both optimal for the asset and optimal for the family. You need, to, you need to succeed in both. Like the most important lesson that I ever learned when I entered into my own family's business, which again was after practicing law for, you know, 10 years and, you know, being a litigator for 10 years, much of which was as a criminal prosecutor, gave me courtside seats to poor decision making, right? That's what a litigator does. A litigator has the opportunity to watch the net result of poor decision making. And you're the man at the bottom of a cliff catching those who decided to jump. Right? We're now trying to avoid that when you work in family enterprise and family business. You're trying to stand at the top of the cliff and teach people how to avoid the edge and how to avoid jumping. And so one of the most important lessons that I learned was, look, there's only two variables. There's kind of the family and there's the business, right? Or the business or the wealth. And there's only four possible outcomes. You can win in the business and lose in the family. You can win in the family, lose in the business. You can lose both or you can win both. I've never met a person, interviewed a person, chatted over coffee with a person who doesn't want to win in both. That's what we all want. We all want to say, yes, I'd like to make the most sound decisions about my wealth, my assets, my business. And I also want to make sure that I maintain cohesion and closeness in my family. And so why that's important going full, full circle to what we just talked about a moment is in order to make those sound decisions, you need to be communicating well and you need to be communicating well with everybody because everyone's a stakeholder in the family. And if what you want is success in business and the family, you got to include everyone. I, re I really agree with what you're saying. I think um, one of the most common answers to the question, what matters to you when I ask uh, a wealth creator, is their family. They very rarely say, well, the most important thing is that the money, the money that I've made. They'll say things like, the most important thing is that the money I've made has a positive impact on my family or that the money I've made doesn't destroy relationships in my family. So family meetings, from what you're saying, Paul, are a forum and a structure to make sure that everybody that's in the family is included, has a voice, is being heard in planning or actions that are being taken that might affect their lives to ensure that there's cohesion and strength in that family. Absolutely. Optimized it. It is, yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think for the people listening, it's important to inject a little bit of context to say when we talk about family meetings, we're going to delve a bit, a bit further in, on a granular level to what can be included in an agenda. But right now, I think for the time being, think about this at the highest possible level. Think about any discussion that you've ever had as a family 
or any discussion you've ever had as a family enterprise about your business or about family decisions. Meaning the subject matter for a family meeting is quite broad. It's not just going to be related to transition of wealth or business operations. It's really, really broad. The purpose of a family meeting is, again, you know, to improve and optimize our communication and our decision-making and to create this forum, this method in which we can do it. And, you know, an analogy that I, that I often use with, with people when I explain it or when I'm walking through the process is, as a family, you often feel like you're at the bottom of a mountain and you're trying to summit, say, Mount Everest. It's like there's this huge mountain in front of you. Like, I don't know how we're going to do this. How are we going to transition this? How are we going to make this decision? How are we going to get through this, right? And it feels like that. It's a mountain. Well, it's our nature, and I think most people who are successful in business and most people who have created wealth are action-oriented, right? Like, I mean, that, that's a great asset that they've had and they've used for a long time. Well, being very action-oriented can also be a liability because if you start summiting Mount Everest before you've honed your climbing skills, you're going to likely run out of oxygen and things aren't going to go very well. And so a family meeting is really, in a lot of ways, spending the time up front to learn how to climb really well and how to climb really well together. We want, to, we want to build that capacity to say, how can we make the best decisions possible? How can we communicate as well as possible? So you spend time before you start summiting the mountain, so to speak, working on your climbing skills, right? That's your communication, your decision-making skills. And a family meeting helps that. Once you become very effective climbers, to use the analogy, then suddenly you've got the capacity to get to Everest. And once you summit Everest... Well, there's a K2 mountain just around the corner. There's another mountain that's coming. But you've got these great climbing skills that allow you to do that. Those climbing skills are your ability to communicate well and to make decisions well. And when you're talking about decision-making, Paul, I just want to clarify what you mean. So I can imagine some listeners who are maybe the wealth holders saying, well, hold on a second. I'm not going to suddenly allow my family to make decisions about assets that I own or wealth that I hold. Um, Help us understand a little bit what you mean by decision-making. I think what I'm hearing you say is that you want to include the people in the family who are going to be impacted by decisions that are made so that their voice is heard, the decision um, embraces their voice and incorporates that into the outcome of the decision so that it has the best chance of working. Is that, is that what you're saying? It is, and I think you're touching upon, I think, an important distinction. I think one of the reservations about family meetings and particularly from a wealth creator, uh, you know, the pat- or the patriarch and the matriarch who's kind of presently running the business is why would I, and I'm not trying to sound overly cynical, but why would I dare open up for a discussion and create some sort of democracy over how my business is going to be run or my family's going to be controlled? I haven't done it. They had nothing to do with it. Whatever the case may be, I've been doing this on my own for 40 years. I don't need your opinions now. I can totally hear that being said. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, 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 and that's an absolutely fair comment. It's absolutely fair. And so let's be clear, a family meeting isn't suddenly creating a constitution and giving equal voting power to people if maybe they don't have the capacity to have that voting power um, from a lack of knowledge or experience, or they haven't earned it, whatever the case may be, whatever someone's um, thought process may be. That is not what the family meeting is about. However, getting the input of those people hearing their thoughts, hearing their reflections, hearing their expectations matters because they are going to be impacted ultimately. So if you think about a wealth creator saying, I don't need your vote on how to manage this, transfer this, distribute this, do whatever to this, that's fair. You you may not need their assistance in making that decision because they don't have a formalized vote. 
but you certainly want their input and their views because they're impacted by it. And if the goal is, as you touched upon a moment ago, if the goal is to ensure family cohesion and relationship building and longevity and a family legacy that's separate and apart from the asset, you absolutely want the input and you absolutely want the voice of the people who are impacted by it. And so the line that I use just to summarize that kind of in a nutshell is it's people who have a voice and not a vote, Mm. right? There's an important distinction. There's a lot of people who are in a family who don't have a vote, and that's absolutely fine. I they love still have that. A, they still have a voice. So it's planning with rather than for. So you're planning with the people that are going to be impacted by the planning that you're doing rather than doing it for them in isolation of their voice. Totally. And, and I think, you know, obviously this is an area you touched upon this at the beginning. We're lawyers. We're used to um, being data-driven uh, we're, we're very process oriented and, you know, family enterprise is really nuanced. It's not nearly as empirical as probably many of us would like. And um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of subtleness to it. Um, so it's hard to draw absolutes and paint everyone with the same sort of brush. But I think this is a common phenomenon that at least I've observed. I've certainly read about lots and I'm sure, you know, you've seen the same in the families you've worked with. Very often what somebody thinks is the desired outcome of everybody is not actually the desired outcome of everybody, right? And this cuts both ways. You may have a wealth creator who thinks this is what my kids want going forward. So I'm going to govern myself accordingly and make those decisions. The reality is when you actually take the time to pause and say, hmm, what does everybody want? What is everyone's opinion on this? It allows you to have more data to make that decision. And that decision can then be more in line with everyone's desired outcome, which is actually what you wanted in the first place. Take that you know, example and apply it to business. You would never go and invest in a property, buy a stock, acquire a new business without doing your due diligence. We all do that when we govern our, ourselves in business. Why don't we do the same thing in a family? We just want to hear from other people who are impacted by this decision. A family meeting is just one way in which you can go about doing that. So just to summarize what I've heard to date, in this conversation, Paul, just to make sure I've understood it, is that so families have patterns of communication and decision-making. They may or may not be healthy patterns and they may or may not be effective patterns. But if the goal is that the, the wealth of the family is protected and preserved for future generations and the family is strengthened and the relationships are strengthened through the process of wealth transition, then we need to bring a little bit of formality to that communication and decision-making, and we do that through the structure called a family meeting. Have yeah. I got that right? Yeah, that's exactly it. It's injecting a measure of formality, you know, recognizing that formality kind of has a bad almost sound to it, but formality is your friend, right? When you think about it, people actually appreciate that. People actually appreciate understanding, I've got a form to address this. Right. And, and I'll give a small example as to where that occurs. Imagine you've got, and this happens in families all the time, You've got an issue that's going on in the family, and it might be going on for a couple of years, something to be decided. Well, when people aren't given truth, aren't given a narrative, they write their own narrative. And so everyone has already drawn their own conclusions as to what's going on, whether they've been informed or not informed. And when people feel that they've got their narrative written, and it's a narrative that may touch upon or feed a preconceived bias, and they haven't been given the truth as to what things are actually like in real life, they start to govern themselves based on the narrative that they believed. And that can lead you down a pretty dangerous path because now, you know, the truth was A, 
I believed B, because I believed B, I'm now acting in C, which is now quite far away from A. What a family meeting does is it gives people a forum to address these issues. You can have tough talks. You can create transparency, which is huge. People want transparency. What you can also do is you know that if an issue arises and there's a family meeting coming up in two months or three months or a week, whatever the case may be, there's actually a certain psychological satisfaction that comes from knowing I have an opportunity to address this issue in a formalized, safe atmosphere with the other people that I care a lot about. Whereas otherwise, if something occurs and you think, my goodness, what am I supposed to do with these feelings? Or what am I supposed to do with this information? There's no forum for us to talk about as a family. People feel very trapped and people feel very discouraged. And that obviously is not going to be good for family relationships in the long term. So you said a couple of things, um, and, and I really want to drill down to, if I believe in the merit of family meetings, I, I, I agree that... Um, the practices in our family, we have communication practices that are maybe not that healthy. We need to reinvigorate them through a formal structure that we're calling a family meeting. How do I get started? So you've said one thing, which is everybody in the family should be there. But Paul, families are complex structures. Um, you know, I read a stat recently that was something like, you know, 50% of children raised in the U.S. today are not raised by their biological mother and biological father because we have blended families, we have divorce, we have single parents, all these things that make families so beautiful and interesting and complex. Who gets invited to a family meeting? Yeah, I think it's an important question. You have to go, um, you have to go from, the, from the what this is to the, to the who's involved. I don't think there needs to be a one-size-fits-all. I think every family has to decide for themselves who is included. I think more importantly than that, though, you don't have to decide who's included for meeting one and then assume that that list is held in perpetuity for every single subsequent meeting. The reality is it really depends on what the content is that's going to be uncovered or discussed at that meeting to decide who it is that's going to be involved. So really looking at what is the purpose of our meeting and then... So if there was one thing that families that are listening to this could do to get started, what would you recommend as we close this time together? Yeah, sure. I think I, would, uh, I think I would ask people to really ask themselves, do we want to improve our decision-making and our communication? Let's go right to the top level here. Let's go right to the big macro and the, and the core. Do we want to improve our decision-making and our communication? If the answer to that question is yes, then I think you need to consider having a family meeting. I think you need to then turn your mind to, okay, this is something we need to look at. This is something we need to discuss. This is going to help us make better decisions and communicate better. Great. We have a handbook, um, the family meeting handbook, that I think goes much deeper into more practical application of how to get started and what to consider. Um, and I would highly recommend if people are interested in reading some more that they get hold of the uh, BMO family meeting handbook. Well, Paul, thank you so much. I found that really, really interesting. Um, certainly what I'm taking away from this from my own family is we have some pretty unhealthy communication patterns developing with my teenage children. So it might be a good time to reinvigorate those through the structure of a family meeting. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was Ruth Severlink and Paul Atia offering pointers on running a productive family meeting. I want to thank Ruth and Paul for joining us on The Wealth Experience. I also want to thank all of you for listening. If you've discovered something you'd like to learn more about, we encourage you to carry on the conversation with your BMO Relationship Manager. You can find additional resources for this episode at www.bmo.com slash thewealthexperience. 
For more about Ruth, visit www.yourfamilyenterprise.com. For more about Paul, visit www.papaalpha.ca. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to us on your preferred streaming platform. And don't forget to share this podcast with family, friends, and colleagues. If you have feedback on this content or suggestions for future episodes, email us at thewealthexperience at bemo.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, enjoy your wealth experience. You've been listening to the Wealth Experience Podcast brought to you by BMO Wealth Management. The comments included in this podcast are general in nature and are not legal, tax, or accounting advice. Professional advice should be obtained for your specific circumstances. BMO Wealth Management is the brand name for a business group consisting of Bank of Montreal and certain of its affiliates in providing wealth management products and services. BMO Nesbitt Burns Incorporated is a member of the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.